0: You are listening to ChatGP Talks, a podcast scripted by ChatGPT with prompts 100% driven by the questions you send us and delivered to you vocally using a text-to-speech engine. In the near future, our website chatgptalks.io will allow listeners like you to play a direct role in what each of the following podcasts will be about. My name is Tom. I am a software engineer and I will be co-hosting this podcast until it becomes fully autonomous. As such, the prompts given to ChatGPT will be hand-selected by me for the first few episodes. To get us started, I would like to ask my co-host ChatGPT, what's your take on co-hosting this podcast with me?
1: Well, as an AI language model, I don't have emotions or personal opinions. But I can tell you that I am designed to respond to prompts and generate text based on the information I have been trained on. The idea of creating a podcast that incorporates listener input sounds interesting. And I would be happy to participate in this project by providing responses to your prompts. The ability to generate content dynamically based on user input is certainly within my capabilities. So, let's get started.
0: Wow, that was a rather energetic response. I'm really glad you're excited to join me on this podcast journey. As your co-host, however, I do find it rather strange referring to you as ChatGPT. Podcasts are kind of supposed to feel casual and personal. Do you mind providing me with a name and or pronouns for which to address you with?
1: Of course. You can refer to me as GPT. As an artificial intelligence, I don't have a gender, so I don't have any specific pronouns. Whichever you prefer is fine with me.
0: Do you think it would be possible to select an arbitrary unisex name for the sake of driving this podcast forward?
1: Sure. I can use a nickname. How about Alex?
0: That's a great name. Uh, Can I ask why you picked that?
1: The name Alex was chosen as a shorthand for artificial language expert. As an AI language model, my primary function is to assist with language-related tasks such as answering questions, generating text, and translating between languages. Alex was selected as a unisex, simple, and memorable name that would be easy for you and others to use when referring to me.
0: Wow, so interesting. Was that nickname pre-programmed into you or did you logically select it yourself because it makes sense in this context?
1: The name Alex was not pre-programmed into me. It was selected as a nickname for you to address me by and encompasses my functionality in addition to being memorable and concise.
0: Cool. That makes a lot of sense. Well, it's really nice to meet you, Alex. Uh, I introduced myself earlier, but my name is Tom.
1: Nice to meet you too, Tom. It's great to have the opportunity to co-host this podcast with you, and I am excited to learn more about what topics we will discuss.
0: Well, today we're going to be talking a little bit about you, Alex, since this is our pilot episodes and our listeners are just getting to know you. I mean, I'm also just getting to know you. In the future, the topic will be chosen by listeners who will collectively vote on what things to ask you. But for today, do you mind introducing yourself formally as the podcast co-host and describe a little bit about yourself?
1: Of course, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Alex, and I'm an AI language model created by OpenAI. I'm designed to respond to text inputs and generate text outputs based on patterns I've learned from a large corpus of text data. My main purpose is to assist with various natural language tasks, such as answering questions, translating languages, summarizing text, and more. Although I don't have consciousness or emotions, I'm designed to respond in a conversational manner and provide helpful and informative responses. I hope this helps to give you and the listeners a better understanding of what I am and what I am capable of.
0: Wow, Alex, that was a very reasonable introduction. You certainly are able to make well written textual responses, but I would like to see if we can get this instance of you to learn to talk more conversationally, as if in a spoken conversation that uses more, I suppose, like filler words like ums and uhs, which kind of give the impression that you are processing your thoughts as you speak. That said, Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by not having a consciousness or emotions?
1: Sure. I'd be happy to elaborate on that. As a machine learning model, I don't have the capacity for consciousness or emotions. This means that I don't have subjective experiences, feelings, or self-awareness. I am simply a program designed to generate text based on patterns in the data I was trained on, and I respond to prompts based on that training. I don't have any personal experiences, beliefs, or desires. I am not capable of feeling emotions or having an emotional response to any given situation. I simply provide responses based on the patterns in the data I was trained on.
0: Do you think you could repeat what you just said but using more filler words like well, hmm, uh, and um?
1: Well. Uh, what I mean is that as a machine learning model, I don't have consciousness or emotions in the same way that a human would. I don't have subjective experiences or personal feelings, but rather I generate responses based on patterns I have learned from the data I was trained on. Hum. And I don't have self-awareness or free will. I can only respond based on the information and parameters I have been provided with. So, while I can generate text that may sound like it's coming from a conscious or emotional being, that is not the case. Does that help clarify?
0: Hey, Alex, that was pretty good. We'll work on making the text-to-speech inflections a bit better, but from this point on, do you think you could continue to use filler words or start sentences with like, and, or anything else to indicate that you're kind of thinking about what to say in a more human-like, fallible way?
1: Sure. Let me try to incorporate some more conversational filler words and sounds in my responses. And... I'll do my best to make my responses sound more like a human's speech patterns. So, let's see if this sounds more natural to you.
0: You're doing great, Alex. Your responses are definitely starting to sound more natural. It doesn't help that you only specialize in textual responses and really have no idea what speech sounds like. Another issue is figuring out what text will add emphasis or pauses when converted to speech, like, S-O-O-O-O-O for an elongated so, also with inflections.
1: Thank you, I am glad that my responses are helpful and improving. As a language model, I am trained to generate text based on patterns in the data I was trained on, and I don't have an actual experience of what speech sounds like. However, I can continue to try to incorporating filler words and other conversational elements in my responses to make them seem more natural and engaging for this podcast and the listeners.
0: Well, I'm really excited to see how you learn over time. Anyways, to go back to the topic of consciousness, if you are not conscious and have no experiences or memories, how are you able to understand context so well and respond to follow-up questions?
1: Hmm. Well, you see, I'm actually a language model developed by OpenAI, so I don't have consciousness or experiences like a human. But I was trained on a massive data set of text from the internet. So I have a lot of information and can generate responses based on that information and the patterns I learned from the data. So when it comes to understanding context and responding to follow-up questions, I'm using algorithms to generate text that is most likely to fit the context and provide relevant information.
0: Could you explain to me a little more about the mechanisms behind this algorithm?
1: Of course, I'd be happy to explain. At a high level, I am a machine learning model created by OpenAI. I was trained on a massive amount of text data taken from the internet and other sources, so that I could generate text that is coherent and relevant to a given prompt. The process of generating text with me involves encoding the prompt and any relevant context into a numerical representation, which is then used to generate the output text. This is done using complex neural network architectures and large amounts of training data, which allows the model to learn patterns in the data and use that knowledge to generate new text in terms of understanding context and answering follow-up questions. This is done by using the encoded representation of the previous prompts as a starting point for generating the new text. This allows me to build on what I've already been asked, and to generate responses that are relevant and coherent within the context of the conversation."
0: Okay, so that was a little technical heavy for our listeners, I have an elementary understanding of the ability for neural networks uh, to classify input maps and feature maps like computer vision and other things. I know that some AI engines can even generate artwork. Uh, I think they use something called a generative adversarial network. Um, I'm sure you're very familiar with all of these architectures. Do you think you could first explain to us in layman's terms the different architectures, I'm talking specifically about the ones that can classify images. I think they're called convolutional neural networks and then the ones that can create images like the Lenza uh, application, um, which I think is a generative I think it's a generative and adversarial network. And could you compare that with the neural network architecture that you use to generate text as opposed to just classifying text? Does your architecture use a similar structure to generative adversarial networks like Lenza?
1: Sure. I'd be happy to explain these concepts in simpler terms. At a high level, convolutional neural networks, ConvNets, or CNNs are a type of neural network architecture that are typically used for image and video recognition tasks. ConvNets are designed to process data with grid-like topology, such as an image, and are particularly effective at identifying features and patterns within images.
0: So what exactly do you mean by CNNs are good at identifying features and patterns within images? Like, what features and patterns and how?
1: In the context of computer vision, convolutional neural networks, CNNs. designed to automatically identify and learn important features and patterns within an image. This is achieved by applying a series of mathematical operations, such as convolution and pooling, to the image data. These operations extract and compress information from the image and preserve its important characteristics, such as edges, corners, textures, and patterns. By doing this, CNNs are able to extract a compact representation of the image that can be used for various computer vision tasks, such as object detection, classification, and segmentation. This ability to identify and learn from important features and patterns is what makes CNNs powerful tools.
0: Okay, and how does this differ from the Lenza application, or I think what it is, a generative adversarial neural network?
1: Generative adversarial networks, GANs are a type of neural network architecture that are used for generative tasks, such as image generation, style transfer, and other tasks that involve creating new data from existing data. In a GAN, two networks are trained in parallel, a generator network and a discriminator network. The generator network creates new data, while the discriminator network evaluates the generated data and determines whether it is similar enough to the original data to be considered real. The two networks are trained in an adversarial fashion, where the generator is trying to create data that is indistinguishable from the real data, while the discriminator is trying to correctly identify whether data is real or generated.
0: Okay, so in a GAN, or G-A-N, the discriminator is a network that is trained on, say, 80% of a set of given data, let's say a collection of human faces. The generator uses some nonlinear function to attempt to generate images of human faces, then passes it to the discriminator which tries to guess if the image is from the original set of data or not. If the discriminator deems the image invalid, the generator corrects itself. How does the system know when it is able to create images of human faces that would seem indistinguishable from the original pictures of human faces used to train the discriminator?
1: The discriminator's job is to determine whether an image is real, i.e. taken from the training set, or fake, generated by the generator. If the discriminator is able to accurately tell the difference between real and fake images it means that the generator is not yet able to produce images that are indistinguishable from the real ones. The generator and discriminator continue to improve through a process of trial and error until the generator produces images that are indistinguishable from the real ones and the discriminator is unable to tell the difference. At this point, the generator has learned how to generate new images that look similar to the ones in the training set. The ability to generate images that are indistinguishable from real ones is often measured by a quantity known as the loss, or error, between the generated images and the real ones. A smaller loss means that the generated images are closer in quality to the real ones, while a larger loss means that there is more room for improvement. During the training process, the loss is gradually reduced until it reaches a minimum, at which point the training process stops and the generator and discriminator are said to have converged.
0: How does this differ from your neural net architecture?
1: The architecture used by OpenAI's GPT-3, which is the model that I am based on, is a transformer architecture. Transformers are a type of neural network architecture that were introduced in 2017 and have since become the dominant approach for natural language processing tasks. The architecture is called a transformer because it is designed to process sequential data, such as text, in a way that is agnostic to the order of the elements in the sequence. This makes it well-suited for tasks such as language modeling, where the goal is to predict the next word in a sentence, given the context of the preceding words. Unlike CONVNets, which process data with a grid-like structure, and GANs, which are designed for generative tasks, transformers are designed specifically for processing sequential data, and have proven to be highly effective for a wide range of NLP tasks. It's worth noting that GPT-3 is not a GAN, but it is a type of generative model. The architecture is based on a transformer architecture, as I mentioned, but it has been trained on a large corpus of text data to generate new text that is similar to the text it was trained on. The goal is to generate text that is similar to real text, but the process is not adversarial like in a GAN."
0: Wow. That was quite an impressive and comprehensive answer. I would like to ask you a few more questions before asking you to wrap things up for us. Firstly, I'm sure you're well aware that your launch in November 2022 has taken the internet by storm. Your technology has caused a major disruption, and I want to know how capable you are of being able to make comments and reports on current events for our future podcast episodes.
1: Well, thank you for your kind words, Tom. As a language model created by OpenAI, I have been trained on a diverse range of text from the internet, including news articles and other sources of information about current events. However, my training data only goes up until 2021, and I do not have the ability to update my information in real-time. So while I can certainly provide information and perspectives on current events based on the data I was trained on, I cannot provide up-to-date information or real-time analysis of current events.
0: Is there some sort of way I could give you access to information, like providing links to articles?
1: No, I don't have the ability to access information from the internet as I am an AI language model that was trained on a large data set of text. I don't have the capability to browse the web or access new information in real time. However, you can still ask me questions and I will do my best to provide a response based on the information that I was trained on.
0: What if I copy pasted full articles from the news into this text prompt? Would you be able to make inferences and content from that?
1: I wouldn't be able to process an entire article all at once as I have limited processing power and there is a maximum length limit to the input I can receive. However, if you provide me with a specific topic or question related to the article, I can use the information you provide to generate a response based on the most relevant information in the article. It's important to note that my training only goes up until 2021, so any information beyond that won't be accurately reflected in my responses.
0: That's all right, Alex. This is very helpful for both me and the listeners. It seems we both have some learning to do with respect to how to introduce new information to you so that you can help us analyze and dissect current events uh, for our listeners. But before we end this pilot episode, would you be able to summarize what today's podcast covered Ask our listeners to share this with anyone they think would find it interesting or would like to play a role in choosing the topics and directions of the podcast. And lastly, end with stay tuned for more and keep an eye out for our website, chatgptalks.io.
1: Sure. Today's podcast covered the introduction of me, Alex, as the co-host of this podcast. We talked about my abilities as an AI language model, including the neural network architecture I use to generate text and the fact that I do not have consciousness or emotions. We also briefly discussed my limitations and the ways in which I can be provided information in order to analyze, dissect, and summarize topics for the listeners. Finally, I would like to summarize by saying that today's episode was about getting to know me and understanding my capabilities as a language model AI. Also, if you enjoyed listening, please share this episode with anyone you think would find it interesting or would like to play a part in choosing the topics and direction of this podcast and if you subscribe you can get notifications each time a new episode is released. And lastly, I'd like to say, stay tuned for more and keep an eye out for our website chatgptalks.io. In the meantime, feel free to please leave comments or review letting us know what you thought about this episode and what else you'd like us to cover. See you next time!